Good evening, grave robbers, and welcome back to the television graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Lara Print and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out which ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should stay doomed. This is a podcast in which we'll analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran only one season, or some, like this one, that ran only one episode. With me, as always, is TV's Noah Houlihan. We're stepping out of our comfort zone and onto the stage. So we're doing Secret Talents of the Stars. Yes, let's talk about the elephant in the room. So first off, this was a Patreon Choice episode. The Twitter poll got down between this and Evil Monkeys, and then our patrons voted, and they voted for Evil Monkeys. Now, Evil Monkeys has been on the poll for months now, just yeah. constantly surviving in second place to stay on the poll, but it finally won, and now that it's won, it does not appear to be available anymore. Yeah. So we're in a bit of a rush to get this episode out, so unfortunately we were not able to locate it, but we promise that at some point Evil Monkeys will happen. Yeah, we. Um, sometimes this happens. There was actually one of the episodes we had planned to be next. Uh we had the same issue because I was looking for How I Met Your Dad. Yes, How I Met Your Dad fell this fate. Uh, when we were going to do Carson Daly's Bash, Yes, we thought we had found it, but we had not. Yeah, we found a chunk of it. Yeah, it's, it's very often that we will be like, oh, sweet, it's all right here because we found a playlist. And then it turns out the playlist is full of like the pilot and a few clips. Yeah. I believe that happened to Secret Girlfriend when we tried to do Secret Girlfriend. Like, So there's a few episodes where it's like, yeah, that's totally on the books, ready to go. Oh, wait a minute. Something's wrong. Yeah, now, we did vet next week's episode already. Yes. So. And, and also, I think a big one would be the Morton Jenkel cut of the Super Mario Brothers movie, which we quickly covered. And then I believe before it even went out, it was removed. I believe it actually did come back. Oh, is it back? Because I know a lot of people send us comments like, please send us your copy. I was like, we don't have a copy. We yeah, watched we, it online. We watched on the... Ar- and it's it, been destroyed. It's literally on archive.org right now. If you just search Morton Jankel, it's right there. All right. So that's a good message to a few people. Yeah. Uh, I think that's just... It actually... It appears to have been uploaded a few times in different places. Oh, okay. So I'm guessing that people kind of found it. Gotcha. So we will be doing... Secret Talents of the Stars, which was the runner-up. So, sorry, we will be doing Evil Monkeys very soon. But let's get into this one, and let's start by pouring one out. What do you got there, Laura? I have the Sasha Cohen. The Sasha Baron Cohen? No, no, the Sasha Cohen. Oh, I'm sorry. No, Sasha Baron Cohen's not in this. Sasha Cohen. Okay. Uh, for one of our competitors who is an Olympic figure skater. Okay. And she wore a bright red costume when everyone else she was working with was wearing very plain white costumes. So mm. I made a sparkling red drink for her sparkly red costume. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So I have a cranberry clementine seltzer mixed with mm. a ginger seltzer, a splash of grenadine, and a little bit of Jim Beam. Very nice. How is it? Well, Jim Beam, eh? It's good. Like, there's a lot of sweetness in the grenadine and the um, the two seltzers. Yeah. Because I did, like, 
it's a Franken seltzer. I kind of took a can of seltzer and some Mixed Trader it. Joe's seltzer yeah. and made my own seltzer. It's very, uh, it's stormy tonight and it's a very, it is very stormy. It's a very nice, like, autumnal beverage with the cranberry and the ginge. Mmm. I went into my secret stash of alcohol and uh, I always have a few of these hoarded away. So I was like, ah, since it's about secret talents, I'll take something from my secret stash. And I'm drinking a Trogues Mad Elf. Aged minimum one year, possibly two. Yeah, it comes out once a year, and I used to, and I keep them. I really regret I used to have one with the old label on it. Yeah, and, which it used to have like a more cartoony character on it, and I drank that one. And I really wish I had one of those to go along with my collection of these. But uh, yeah, I'm drinking a, a Mad Elf in October. So well, what's funny is that's usually around now is when I start looking for Mad Elf because mm-hmm. I usually get um, to talk about our real lives for a second. My mother traditionally buys you a six pack of Mad Elf on yes. Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. so we're actually in that phase where we'd be kind of starting to look for it right around. Yeah, now. so it'll probably pop up soon. But yeah, I'm if I looked, I didn't now. go to the uh, liquor store today, yeah. but they might have had it if I had. That's at least one year aged. Yes. Probably more. Maybe more. Yeah, this is a fine aged beer. Mmm. So let's talk about the secret talents of the stars. Hosted by Jay Peterman. That's not his real name, but everyone knows him as Jay Peterman from Seinfeld. Also the voice of Ben FM if you're in Philadelphia. Really? Uh, yeah, they don't use him anymore, but he used to be the, the like, this is Ben FM. Playing anything we feel like. It used to be him. Oh, I really didn't know that wasn't him. It's it's O'Hare is his name? His, his last name? It's, it's, I want to say it's Sean O'Hare. It's John O'Hurley. John O'Hurley. John O'Hurley. He also used to host The Family Feud. That I did know. Mm-hmm. I did not know he was the, uh, the 95-7 voice. That's fun. Yes. So he brings us in and he tells us all the amazing stars that we have. favorite celebrities like you have never seen them before. Revealing secret talents that you never knew they had. It's a fierce all-out competition that will crown a winner in just six weeks. So welcome everyone to Secret Talents of the Star. We got Clint Black who's a country singer. We got Theo Vaughn. That's not his name. We have Theo from the, the Cosby Show. Theo Vaughn's a stand-up comedian. We have Malcolm Jamal Warner. That's what it is. Yeah, I, I didn't write down anybody we saw in the opening montage. Okay. Uh, I know we got George McKay. We got... Uh, George Takei. Takei? Is it is it Takei with a T? Yes. I've been saying Takei all my life. I'm sorry. George Takei, yeah. Takei. <laughs> um, so uh, we got uh, Joe uh, Frazier. Yes. The boxer. We got Cindy Margolis is going to be here. Oh, my God. But we're only getting to see four of these guys. Yes. And you missed a bunch of ones that are really big. Oh, did I? Yeah. Danny Bonaducci. Danny Bonaducci does not appear in the opening. Yeah, but he was supposed to be uh, maneuvering a unicycle with Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus. Oh, my God. For those of you who don't know, I can unicycle. So Uh I I would love to have seen this. Ben Stein. Ben Stein? Dancing the Jitterbug. No way. And I've saved the one that's going to affect you most for last. 
someone was going to be salsa dancing. Oh, the salsa. Ric Flair? Yes. Ew. Yeah, I I think they wanted to keep him away from poor Sasha Cohen. Yeah, that's probably for the best. And poor Bridget Marquand. Yeah. So those are not going to be people we get to see in this here pilot episode. Yeah, we, we don't get to see that many people. Yeah, we only get four. Yes. We start with Sasha Cohen. Yes. She is... An Olympic silver medalist in figure skating. Mm-hmm. She, I believe, is one of the last... Wim- there was a time when U.S. women's figure skating was dominant. Oh, yeah. Christina Yamaguchi and stuff. Yeah, Christy Yamaguchi, Tara Lipinski. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my God. Uh, Tanya Harding. Tanya Harding, Nancy yeah. Kerrigan. Mm-hmm. There was a time when the female figure skaters were... Household names. Yeah. Like, figure... There was a time where figure skating was, like, huge. Because Fox used to do, like, figure skating, like, specials. Yeah. Like, I remember figure skating Battle of the Sexes was, like, a real thing that I watched and was excited for. Yeah, like, female figure skaters used to be huge, huge, huge celebrities. Yeah. Uh, Now, the more famous ones do actually tend to be male. Because mm-hmm. um, you have Adam Rippon, you have um, Johnny Ware, and then, of course, Brian Boitano. Yes. Who I think Brian Boitano is actually, like, a little older. Because yeah, I, I remember there was a guy that used to be able to do backflips. And that was, like, his big claim to fame. And then during one of these Fox specials, he kissed a judge. Oh, God, we somehow forgot Michelle Kwan. Michelle Kwan, yeah. Like, figure skating used to be a big deal. Yeah, in, like, the 80s into the 90s. Now, that being said, Sasha Cohen was the U.S. champion in, like, for years. Yes. Uh, So we are going to see her hidden talent of the stars, which is contortion. Yeah, she's extremely flexible. And I found this kind of funny. Yeah? uh, Because being flexible is something that kind of goes in with figure skating. Yeah, you don't see anyone that's, like, not flexible figure skating because you have to be able to do, like, a, a pistol squat. That's, like, a big move. And I I had that same thing of, like, if she'd been, like, a dancer or if she was doing some kind of dance performance, mm-hmm. it would have been similarly not surprising because it's something her figure skating career would have really prepared her for. Yeah. But then they introduce... That she is actually doing um, acrobatics with the new Shanghai Circus. Yes. So. Which is like a super disciplined Chinese acrobat group. They do that like acro yoga. Yeah. Where everyone like falls into these formations. It's really cool. So she comes in to this like studio to learn how to do it. And like they try to frame it as like these super judgy contortionist coasts coaches because they're like grab and bend your foot and they're like no grab it like this no and they're, they're trying to create this illusion that like she's struggling to be a contortionist yeah but you can't learn to be a contortionist in a week no it's it's not like oh you have bad form it's like no your leg just doesn't bend that much <laughs> so like She's clearly very, very flexible already. Yeah. But they're trying to frame this story because they they do this totem pole maneuver, which is uh, a move uh, on the this girl on the bottom who is, how old would you say this girl is? 14? 
They're probably all in their mid to late teens, maybe early 20s. Uh, you lay on your chest and you, you on your chin and then you bring your feet up so you, that your feet are by your ears. So you kind of like, it's called a scorpion. Uh, and then a girl does it on top of her. And then uh, our hero, Sasha Cohen, is going to do it on top. But she's worried she's going to knock down the whole totem pole. Yeah. I can do the position. I'm just worried getting onto it, I'm going to knock everyone over. You need to balance yourself. Acrobatics is very different than skating because it's an ensemble work. I'm used to skating on my own and a part of the whole group, that's a tough one for me. I have no idea what I'll be able to do. And that's kind of the story going in. It's like, they're going to attempt this and they could mess it up. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, So then she does her performance. And it's clearly, she's not just subbing in for another woman. Yeah. Like, this is clearly meant to showcase her specifically. Yes. Uh, So, there's, like, these moments that I kind of catch where, like, she's being guided. Yeah. Like, there's a moment where she's standing on one foot and she's bringing her foot above her head. And one of the girls next to her just throws her foot in the air so she can hold it for balance. Yeah. Like, there's little things like that that happen. But I also do kind of love it because that pulling your leg up completely parallel to your body, um, you're, you're going to hate where this is going. It's actually the money shot in, like, cats. One cat specifically mm. is supposed to be able to do this. Uh, the white cat, Victoria. And yeah. it's a huge deal when she does it because it's extremely difficult to do. Mm-hmm. So knowing that, like, she actually gets an applause break when she does it. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. And uh, she ends up, uh, they do the totem pole. And again, you see someone kind of help her, but they do it. And yeah, the totem nice. pole is the one where I notice someone tries to help her. Yeah. It's, it's subtle, but it's enough. Uh, it's a nice little contortionist performance. And then she goes over to the host and the host is like, how do you feel? And she says, I pierced, I think I pinched a nerve. Yeah. But, like, really no-sells it. She's like, oh, I'm just in incredible pain. I wish I could lay down and, and die, but yeah, she I'll was stand like, here and be judged by people. She was like, still don't know. Or she's like, I'm back now. I'm back now, is what she said. Yeah. Because I remember being like, ooh, hate that. Uh, so th- she then has to face the judges, which we forgot to set up. Yeah, the judges are Debbie Reynolds. Debbie freaking Reynolds. From Singing in the Rain. Yes. Uh, Brian McKnight. Yes. Of Anytime and Back at One fame. Yes. Star of Back at One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that song. Yeah. Uh, And Gavin Pallone, who is a film and TV producer. Yeah. He is very clearly meant to be the Simon of this. Yes. Because, like, when they introduce him, people clap and he's like, mm. Yeah, thanks. Uh, It's like, okay. Uh, you're doing a character. Yeah, like, he's very clearly supposed to be the jerk. He's mostly, like, he's about to hit, I think, his biggest hit right after the show. Gavin? Yeah. He produced Zombieland. Oh. Um, he's produced a lot of things that you've heard of. 8mm, Secret Window. That's a good movie. But, uh, and then all the A Dog's Purpose, A Dog's Journey. Ugh. And then also a fair amount of TV. 
Curb Your Enthusiasm, Gilmore Girls. Uh, so he, he Emily's does, Reasons Why Not, right? And Emily's Reasons Why Not, it's yeah. something that we really want to do on this show and we can never find. So he's clearly set up to be the Simon. Yes. Uh, uh, he is immediately sexist. Yeah. I liked it. I liked it. I thought, uh, you know, obviously we knew that you're very flexible and you have great physical gifts. What I, I felt was missing was you know, some element of personality, something that separates you from how we know you as a teen skater, because you're a woman now. And I'd like to see something a little more passionate. I like the outfit, but I didn't feel like the emotion was really behind it. I'd like to see something a little more sexy in your presentation. I think it's time for you to separate from little girl Sasha, become a, you know, woman Sasha. You know, like, like Britney Spears has done. You know, like Britney Spears is doing. Yes. Which adds like an extra layer of gross to watch it in 2021. I'm not sure if you made this connection, but that comment of like, I need you to make this sexier reminds me so much of Superstar USA. Okay. Because the douchebag uh, judge in that was always saying something sexist. And was always just like, you got to sex it up or it, may, it might be too sexy for me and stuff like that. The difference is that was a parody. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, Superstar USA was a parody, mm-hmm. but parodies don't just come out of the sky. True. He was satirizing something that was really happening in judging reality shows. Yeah. And continues to happen. Very true. Uh, I ha- And then Debbie Reynolds just like punches him. Yeah. Because Debbie Reynolds says nothing but nice things. She's clearly the Paula. Yeah. Um, and then Brian McKnight also is like, yeah, you did a good job. Mm-hmm. He's a little, like, more even keeled. Yes. I'd like to point out that these are three people that have no business judging contortionists. Yeah, I think that's hard with talent shows in general. Because yeah. I was thinking about that with, like, America's Got Talent of mm. if you're not in the field, it might be like, well, why am I... What what right have I to be doing this? Right. Um, but if you have someone like Penn and Teller fool us, who are Penn and Teller to judge magic? Exactly the right people. Yeah, exactly the right people. So then our next celebrity... Yes. ...is George Takai. Yes! From best, Star Trek fame. Yep, best known as Sulu. Yes. Uh, now best known by anyone who's not a Star Trek person as a... A very big Twitter account. Yes. He's like an internet personality more as much as uh, he is a Star Trek personality at this Mm -hmm. point. And his secret talent is that he sings country western music. He always says country western. Yes. He never says country, which I think is very fun. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Because he's a little older. True. And he goes... And George, right there. Most people know me as Hikaru Sulu from Star Trek. But I have... A secret passion. Give me a home where the buffalo roam. I sing country western in the great resonance of my shower star. With the complete freedom that being naked gives me. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, okay. Uh, <laughs> I and love then he to sing in my shower. And he's like, it sounds great in there because I'm naked. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Cool, buddy. <laughs> um... And, but then he like kind of tells a very American Idol-esque story 
about how like he got introduced to country western music when he was in the Japanese internment camps. Yeah, in that, World War II era. That came out of nowhere for me. I was like, oh god, that's right. I mean, it was America was terrible. It was clearly a huge part of his like development because mm-hmm. he always is working on projects that are kind of adjacent to that. Yeah, and I, I find it super, super like. I don't know as much about the Japanese internment camps as I wish I did. Yeah. So it kind of made me want to, like, look into it. Believe it or not, our schools kind of bury that part of our history. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to now go look for, like, a, a solidly written book about what life was like. Because mm-hmm. I, I think that's something that we should be more aware of. Anyway, uh, George Takai does, like, a little vocal coaching lesson. Yes. And he's singing on the road again. Yeah, they show him singing with another band, and he's immediately like, oh my god, you guys are here. Yeah, and he actually, the, the Wikipedia article doesn't list it, and I didn't list it either, because somebody I like didn't know who it yeah, was. Yeah, I have no idea who this was, but he's excited, and I'm excited for him. And they again try to manufacture some drama, where they're like, George, you came in too soon, you gotta find the rhythm. And he's like, finding the rhythm is the hardest part for me to do. And then he does his performance of On the Road Again, and the mix is terrible. Yeah, you can't hear him. Like, I have the note, turn up your damn mic. On the road again, just can't wait to get on the road again. Life I love is making music with my friends, and I can't wait to get on the road again. On the road again. Yeah, like, his mic is weirdly low. Yeah. And it's fine. It kind of strikes me as, like, high-class karaoke. Yeah. Like, it's karaoke with a big budget. He's obviously a little bit nervous when he starts out. Mm -hmm. And he's very wooden in, like, the first verse or so. And then kind of, like, finds it. Yeah. Which tells an interesting story in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Of like, oh, okay, he starts feeling it, and like, that's really neat. Debbie Reynolds is thrilled. Mm-hmm. She offers George Takai a spot in her tour bus. Yeah, and I was like, is she hitting on him? Because that's the wrong tree for her. No, she's not hitting on him. Uh, I think it's just she's excited and like thinks mm-hmm. it's fun. Yeah. Like, Debbie Reynolds is so iconic in her own right that, mm-hmm. like, Think about it. There, there is a certain demographic where the Debbie Reynolds, George Takai diumvirate just prints money. That is true. And then Brian McKnight, like, is similarly complimentary. Yeah, he has a bit of a backhanded compliment at one point. Yeah. He says something... George, you may not be the best singer in the world, but what you do have is that you have a passion for what you are doing. And I just... In a lot of cases, I'd rather have that than somebody who can really sing who isn't passionate about what they're doing. So I, I really appreciated what you... And you stayed on the key the entire time. Yeah. And I was like, that wasn't really a compliment. Uh, and then Gavin gets his chance to be saucy. Oh. And is like... Uh, yeah, well... 
You know, I guess as uh, country and western styles go, that's sort of the broke out Brokeback Mountain version of it, and, and that's good. That's good. No, I like that. It's it's alternative and good. It, it was, um, you know, it's your voice that I think kind of um, sucked, and I think that, I mean, I think if you're going to continue on in this competition, uh, you're going to have to find a way to kind of de-suckify your voice. And then he makes a Brokeback Mountain joke. Yeah, and the crowd boos him, and you watch George Takei die inside. I, like, I get it, and, like, that crowd was probably told to boo him, but, like, we don't need to make this about George Takei's sexuality right now. What are you doing? You're being an asshole. And, like, that line was written for you. So, like, there's just a line of assholes around this show. And George Takei actually says, like, he was offended. He should be. He it's offensive. He did an interview, and he said, like, he really didn't care for that remark. Yeah. De-suckify is such a useless critique. Yes. Because it's not... It's not, hey, you need to work on your vocal tone, you need to work on your timing... You need to work on your support. It's you have to desuckify your voice. So you can see why George Takei is like, what the hell? Yeah. I'm doing your show. Like, yeah. I'm not a contestant. Because this is something else I want to point out. The way the show works is two of these four people will move on to the semifinals yeah. in two weeks. And then hopefully they'll move on to the finals in six weeks. No one ever mentions a prize. No. And to me, I was just like, well, why do you want to be on this show if you're going to try something that you're not normally good at and then be ridiculed for not being great at it? Yeah. And then come back and do it again? Hmm. That doesn't sound fun to me. Yeah, because and then the other thing is it's the semifinal and then they would have sent two people to the finals and then we would have kind of started over with eight more celebrities. So like... Four, then four. Yeah. Then the semifinals for them. And then the... We, uh, the next eight would have shown up. Because I think they wanted to minimize the celebrities having to actually commit to the show. That makes sense. They only want to ha- be like, okay, you know, group A, you only have to commu- commit for a maximum of three weeks. And then maybe the final. Yeah. Group B, here's your three-week commitment, maximum four. I also wouldn't be surprised if there was a few people with uh, Escape the Night deals of, you're not going to win, but if you want to come and perform. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this way you only have to be there one week. Yeah, have we talked about that on on air at this point? I feel like we talk about Escape the Night a lot, but yeah. We did find out that some of the contestants on Escape the Night knew they were going to die because they couldn't be there the next day. Yeah, they had, um, they essentially had, like, brief appearance contracts. Like, like Shane Dawson was always going to die no matter what in that first episode. Uh, who, the girl we liked from season two? Uh, Liza. Liza, yes. We knew Liza was going to be gone on that episode. That's why her death is, like, weird. That's why her death is, like... Shoehorned? I was going to say kind of bullshit. Yeah. Um, I, my favorite female characters in seasons two and three die in such bullshit ways. Yeah, yeah. Justice for Sophia. Justice for Sophia. Still mad. 
Sophia is one of the only ones I actively watch yeah. to this day. Because of that show. Yeah, so it worked for her. Uh, so then next, we're halfway through. We're getting Clint Black. Yes. Who is, I'm not sure if you realize this, an evil cowboy. Oh my god. Because he is wearing a black cowboy hat. And that's like really part of his look. Yeah. Like, you could honestly make the case to me that Mike from Kid Nation was cosplaying Clint Black. <laughs> yes. Like, if you said, like, oh, Clint Black was one of his heroes growing up and he was dressed like that because of him, I would have been like, that tracks. Mm-hmm. So he wants to do stand-up comedy. Yes. So he gets a tutor. So he gets a tutor. And it's Gary Shanling, who is one of my favorites. And is not having any of this. Well, that's Gary Shanling. I know, but it's funny. <laughs> Gary Shanling... I think he has the best line in the whole show. Uh, Because we hear Clint, like, showing him some of his material that he plans to do. And Gary Shanlin goes, This is probably a a last-minute question. Do you have any other secret talents? It's That was the only part of the show that got me, like, to really, really laugh. Oh, it it really is very funny. But again... It's filmed, like, as if that's not a joke. It's filmed very seriously. Yes. Like, oh, this could be terrible. Oh, oh, no. So, I brought up before, these are not judges that can really have any business judging contortionists. Yeah. When it comes to singing, sure. They can judge George Takei. I want to... I wouldn't say that these are good comedic judges. No. But sitting here on the couch watching this are two great uh, comedic judges. So let's really break down. Yeah, oh, I, I'm a better judge. Than, uh, this is not something that's widely known, but my judginess is what got me into comedy. Um, yeah, this is very true. Go ahead, tell the story. It's good. So I, uh, when you and I... We're, we're married in the kayfabe of the show, right? We've acknowledged that we're married on mic at some point. If someone's mind is blown right now, they don't pay attention. Okay, so... It's like, yeah, we're, they're not married. They just buy each other expensive gifts and go on vacation together all the time. And had no interruption during lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> Everything was completely normal on the podcast. Yeah. What good friends they must be. <laughs> they were roommates. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so when you and I started dating... Uh, I would go to open mics with you Mm -hmm. because that's how much I liked you. Yes. And we saw some comedians who were less good. There were some really great comedians at your open mics. And then there were ones that were less good. Mm -hmm. And eventually I hit this part where I was like, I could do this. And so I did. Mm -hmm. Kind of out of this like, well, I can do this. And one of, looking back, I'm really proud of it. You had a comedian friend named Steven. Yes. And he and I wrote almost the same joke. And he went up before me, so I had to drop it. And at the time, I was like, oh my God, I don't have that many jokes. It sucks that I can't tell this. And then later on, I was like, I'm really proud that I had parallel thinking with someone who I respect and think is really good. Yeah. But yeah, if... But yeah, I got into it out of spite. Yeah, if you weren't so bad at comedy... Who knows where Lara would be right now? <laughs> Corey Castle. Whoa! 
I was not going to name any names. It, it wasn't Corey Castle. I named the one comedian that I thought might actually listen to this. <laughs> mean. Anyway, Corey Castle's very funny. Uh, in any case, uh, let's break down Clint Black's uh, stand-up here. He starts with this bit about how... He used to do stand-up in the shower. Yeah, which is weird because we were just coming off George Takei doing almost the same thing. Almost the same bit. And then he's like... Yes, it's true. I've never done stand-up comedy anywhere before this. Except in my shower, of course. Uh, Which is where it sounds the best, I think. Uh, My shower only seats six people comfortably. Last night, completely sold out. I'm very happy about that. Was a clean show. And unfortunately, uh, I did have one heckler. But I uh, hit him with a loofah, exfoliated him. Yeah, it's all this stuff that's like the idea of. Like, I, I could see how he wrote this joke. I practice my jokes in the shower. There's no audience in the shower. It would be funny if there was an audience in the shower. And then keep going, keep going, keep going. Yeah. The thing is, and I always say this, jokes about comedy usually don't work unless you're doing comedian, like, unless you're doing comedy for comedians. Yeah. Which you don't want to be doing. Like, the the idea is eventually people will, normal people want to see you, not yeah. the other comedians that are there. So, this whole joke, it's like, no one can really relate to it. And it's like, kind of funny to think about but like I think it works better as a sketch yeah you could see it and it goes on for way too long and then the other joke he does is about how comedy comes from pain yes so he talks about how he was trying to come up with comedy so he ran into a tree and uh, so how am I going to come up with comedy so what I did is I uh, ran my head really hard into a tree very painful And at first I'm thinking, this isn't funny at all. But later on, at the hospital, while I was on the pain pills, I did feel funny. What a terrible way to get to that punchline. Yep. Like, you could have done so many other things. Like, I was walking around looking for something to make a joke about and wasn't looking where I was going and ran into something. Or, uh... A lot of jokes start with a guy walking to a bar. So I ran into a bar as hard as I could. But I'm bum ching. At least it's a joke. Yeah. Like, this is such a long setup to get to a terrible punchline that you need something to get to that punchline. And again, you're writing jokes about comedy again. And it's a shame. He probably would have some really... He would have been better off telling a funny story about something that happened in one tour. Yes. Like, because I'm sure, like, Clint Black has traveled America up, down, and sideways a hundred times. I'm sure he could thoroughly entertain and make me laugh for two minutes. Yeah. Because he's seen more of the country. He's dealt with more people. Mm-hmm. He's had a lot of experiences. Yeah, I mean, And he could easily write two minutes based on, I mean... When we used to go to Helium, there I were people... I going to bring this up. Go ahead. There were the... An evening with. Yes. We watched Mick Foley and an, we saw Joel McHale. Yes. An evening with Joel McHale and an evening with Mick Foley. And it, that's really what they were doing. It was packaged as stand-up, 
But they were really just talking about things in their lives, and they had such interesting lives that they could pull that off. Yeah. I do not for a second doubt that Clint Black has had an interesting life that he could talk about. Yeah, but he chooses not to. And then he almost has me for a minute and goes... You know what I can't stand? Those TV shows where people compete and America votes. You know what I'm talking about. Which I was like, oh, it's funny because that's what he's about to do. But that's also a great setup. And it's something that would engage the entire audience. Like, that type of setup is great because it reminds me of our comedy. Where a setup like, so, the PlayStation 5 came out. You know works in the scenario because we know we're at a video game convention. We were just at too many games. Uh, He knows that he's performing on a reality show where the audience gets the vote. So he knows his audience is invested in whatever the punchline is coming up next. Yeah. He doesn't have one. Yeah. He just says, vote for the comedian. Goodbye. Uh, For some reason... The judges really like this. Yeah. Like, even Gavin is like... I've seen a lot of comedians in in my line of work, and I really got to tell you, you're really good. I think you got a lot of timing. You're charming. I think the jokes could use some work, and that could just come with time and maybe a little help, and maybe you could go reach for a little more edge in the jokes. But I got to tell you, you are really a charming guy, and I think you have a future in this. Yeah! And, like, he's... Brian McKnight calls him a natural. I have... Did they watch the same set I did? And I feel like I have cut stronger jokes from sets. Mm -hmm. Because for every joke you see one of us tell on stage, there's at least one that never quite makes it to being on stage. Yeah. Because, like, I always say, this is a little exercise I do, is I'll run through my set, and then I will run through just the punchlines of my set. And the length of my set should not go down that much. If it goes down substantially, that means my setups are too long. Yeah. This dude had almost no punchlines. Yeah. It's it's tough. So, yeah. I hate this. And, like, I know I'm making fun of the judges for judging people on... For judging poor George Takei, who's not a singer who's singing. But, like... I'm being extra cruel because of how nice the judges are to him. To the point where I'm like, oh, is this just rigged? Do we already know he's coming back? Yeah, like, it feels very weird. It doesn't... He has great stage presence. Yeah. Because he's a natural on stage. Because he's been playing music. He can speak to a crowd. He's not scared of that. Yeah. If he had stronger jokes, he could have walked away with this pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, So that reminds me is we haven't really brought this up. Uh, Our host ends every or goes to commercial break every time saying, did you like that? Then vote for it. Go to CBS.com slash vote and you can vote right now for Clint Black. Then we'll go to commercial and then we'll come back and he'll say, The voting window is closed for Clint Black. Implying that you could only vote during that commercial break. And you could only vote for the person who just performed. Which makes me immediately go, well, how did the voting work? Yeah. Like, did you give them a score out of 10? 
Was it, yes, I like this person? No, I don't. Like, they never explain the scoring. Now, what's interesting is because of time zones, the West Coast doesn't get to vote live. Oh, so they didn't get to vote at all. Yeah. Interesting. So, like, there's a significant part of the country that gets no vote. Wow. That's that's something I had not considered. It's why you don't usually see shows that run in real time like this. That's why you usually get the results show. Right. So that, like, a Dancing with the Stars can do their mm. voting over, like, Monday and Tuesday, and then their elimination episodes Wednesday. Yeah, gotcha. That's also why... Uh, the last clue of Push Nevada was given out on uh, America or on uh, Monday Night Football because it was live for everyone on all coasts. So everybody got an equal time to check that out. Check out our Push Nevada episodes. Our Push Nevada episodes are fantastic. Yeah. Um, so then the next, the last person we see is Maya. Yes. Who is a pop star. Mm-hmm. She is... A tap dancer. She's going to do some tap dancing. And it's it's really good. She kind of, like, we see home movies of her dance recitals. Yeah. Because she wanted to be an entertainer, so she grew up doing the, you know, the Trinity, the jazz tap ballet mm-hmm. that you have to do when you're in theater. And she talks about how she had to give it up when she got a record deal. But that's why she's always such a been such a strong dancer is because she's been dancing her whole life. Mm-hmm. But you don't think of pop stars as tap dancers. Because tap is really just a musical theater field at this point. There aren't a lot of people who just do tap. Right. Uh, when I think of like recent... Who is like currently a huge tap dancer? Uh, uh, Sutton Foster. Uh, yeah. Like, But it would all be musical theater. So... We see. We don't really see her train because we don't need to. Yeah, because it's actually her hidden talent. So she does this this routine, and the choreography is kind of poor at the beginning. It's not very showy. Like, but then it builds. It builds, and it's also shot poorly. Yeah, because when it's shot well. You can see that Maya is killing it. But it's shot so badly you can't always tell how well she's doing. Right. So the the way that the way we see it at home really does her a disservice. Absolutely. She is way better than the camera work is really giving her. Uh, it's very Sid Charisse. Like it's really it's she's fantastic. And then I have a moment of Oh, God, she is tapping in front of Debbie freaking Reynolds. Right? Oh, my God. Like, that is tap dancing on ultimate hard mode. Yeah. And she does a great job. There's some really good stuff in this. I'm not a tap dancer, so I can't really tell you about, like, the sachets or anything. But I was entertained. So, uh, the three judges have nothing bad to say about her. Literally, just nobody has anything bad to say about Maya. Uh, Pallone, Gavin slips in that she's beautiful. Of course he does. But the only person who makes a comment about her body is Debbie Reynolds. Yeah. Debbie Reynolds is just absolutely taken with Maya. Oh, absolutely. It's adorable. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have Brian McKnight adores her in her performance because he's objectively correct in this situation. <laughs> yeah. And 
Then we go to commercial, we come back, and each judge has to pick who they feel should move on. Yeah, this has no effect on the show. Because it's all done through audience This is just to stretch the show out before we reveal the results. All three choose Clint and Maya. Yes. Uh, Who did Clint bribe? Guys, he was very bad. Mm Mm-hmm. So then John O'Hurley has all four people line up, and he calls Clint out. And Clint is going to the semifinals. Yes. But he doesn't say how that... Because to me, that implied that Clint got the most votes. I he's he the host said something about a score, but we don't see a score. But we don't see a score, so we don't know how much he won by. If he was first or second, we don't know how this is tabulated in any way. But apparently, he wins. Uh, then he brings up George and tells him he lost and makes him. Get off the stage. Yeah, he calls George K up and then is just like, well, you lost, goodbye. Yeah. So he just kind of like leaves like, oh, okay, I guess. So now I'm pretty sure it's going to be Maya because... She's I amazing. She's amazing and people know who she is versus a girl who did some good contortion, but like figure skater. Yeah, she wasn't like at that point the most recent Winter Olympics. And she was a silver medalist, so she was pretty big. I'm I'm trying to think who the equivalent to Maya is today. Lord? No. (laughs) No, Maya is one of those people, she's just like, always... She's never on, like, top. She's not Adele, she's not Taylor Swift. But she's always, like, around and she's always doing good work. The girl from Paramore? Uh, yeah, maybe like a Haley Williams. A uh, Haley Williams maybe is like her level of fame versus figure skater. So I was like, oh, Maya's definitely going to win this. And Maya loses! Yeah, and it's a straight up bummer. Yeah, so it's going to be Sasha and Clint moving on to... Ne- uh, oh, no. This is, this is the end of the show. Yeah, we do hear like, tune in next week. And we're like, hello. Yeah, we're going to hear Ray Jones Jr. rap. Yeah, so we what next week we're supposed to get uh, Roy Jones rapping, Jody Messina step dancing, Bridget Marquard doing trapeze, and Joshua Morrow juggling. And that's... We never get to see that. And we certainly never get to see Danny Bonaducci or Joe Frazier or Ben Stein. Uh, it appears that if you really wanted to, you can find Roy Jones' Jr. rap album, Body Headbangers Volume 1. <laughs> cool. I'm glad he got to still follow So he still, he does in fact get uh, his album out there with such songs as Can't Be Touched, Y'all must have forgot. And I'm the best athlete rapper of all... No, that's just a quote. (laughs) That's not the name of a song. (laughs) It's actually way funnier that that's even there. So, yeah, that's the show. Like, that's that's it. We We don't get any more. No more show. No more show. I have a whole track listing. Hold on. Oh my gosh. 
We missed out on such great things, but you can hear them right now as Can't Be Touched, Go Hard, Go Home, You Know My Mind, I Smoke, I Drink, You a Freak, and Still. That is a great rap song for a boxer. Yeah, and Still. And Still. (laughs) Y'all must have forgot, too. You just keep forgetting. That came out this year. (laughs) So apparently the winner of this is Roy Jones Jr. Because he's continuing to be a rapper. Yeah. Good for you. Good for him. Because I've never seen Danny Bonaduce on a unicycle. Yeah, it's a bummer. A few things about this show. Okay. I think this show wanted to be the America's Got Talent of celebrity talent shows. Because this was around the time, like, Dancing with the Stars is huge. And then, remember Splash? Yes. Where it was celebrity diving? Yes. Uh, There was also Skating with the Stars, which did not do as well, which was ice skating. Oh, yeah. Which possibly could do on this year's show. Um, so I think they wanted to have it be, let's do a bunch of weird stuff. The thing that I don't really get is, do you, could you imagine seeing Danny Bonaducci on a unicycle for three episodes? No. Or the guy from Young and the Restless juggling for three episodes? Ooh, now that you mention it, no. Yeah, like, so some of these, I was like, that's doomed to fail. Honestly, I don't know how we're going to watch this girl be a contortionist twice. Yeah. Yeah. I I also wouldn't be surprised if Clint came out and did the same set. Oh, my God. Yeah, because he would need to write new... <laughs> he'd need to write new jokes. We would think. Yeah. So, uh... I think this is, like, a really doomed concept. Yeah. But while watching this, I came up with, like, three better shows. Okay. <laughs> so first off, the title is terrible. The Secret Talents of the Stars. Yeah. Because the truth of the matter is, some of them are hidden talents. Like tap dancing, I would say, was a hidden talent for Maya that you yeah. might not know. But George Takei... Just liked country music. Yeah. It's not like, yeah, I'm an amazing country singer. (laughs) It's like, nah, it's just a thing I like. So what I think I would like to have seen more is I really like the line stepping out of your comfort zone and into and onto the stage. If they called it something like that or something like triple threat. Yeah. You took the same like 16 or eight celebrities and every week they all did the same talent. Oh, oh my God. So everyone had to do stand-up one week. Everyone yeah. had and then to it's do... like, next week you're all jugglers. So, yeah, like a little bit like Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, but instead of it being... But instead of all dancing. Yeah, let's just make it a new talent every time. That'd be kind of neat. Wouldn't it? And like, you could call it something like, you know... <laughs> Renaissance man and Renaissance woman are gendered, mm-hmm. but like you know, who's the ultimate and en- the ultimate entertainer? Yeah, yeah, like, and you could choose what each of them is good at mm-hmm. for the episodes. Like, if you have a comedian, 
make everybody do stand-up. And so everyone's going to have an advantage for an episode. Yes. But, you know, hopefully there's the, like the figure skater is just like, let me make it to the ice skating episode. I'm, I'm really bad at unicycling, though. Well, I was thinking of this with Dancing with the Stars, how there's a few people who always have an advantage at the beginning. Yes, 100%. Because I, 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 been, I've been like a little bit following Dancing with the Stars this season. Because, because of, of The Miz? Uh, because of Jojo Siwa. And Jojo Siwa. Uh, who I adore. Yeah. Oh my God, it's going to be Horror Week next week. That'll be cool. Uh, that sounds fun. But when you look at the lineup for this season of Dancing with the Stars, you have people... Like Suni Lee, who is an artistic gymnast. And Jojo Siwa, who's been on tour and has had music videos. Mm -hmm. And The Miz. And these are people... uh, Melanie C., the Spice Girl. These are people who, like, that kind of movement and that kind of schedule and that kind of athleticism are baked into what they do. Mm -hmm. And then meanwhile, you have Melora Hardin... Who is Jan from The Office. Yeah. And it's not quite as baked yeah, into her life. Yeah, she's going to have a tough time. So, that that's something I found really interesting. Is that there's certain people who are at an advantage. Yeah. So, I think it would be very interesting to, if you wanted to do this variety show, you do it like this. And the, the thing is, I, I feel like you'd watch the hidden talent of the stars for two reasons. One, you want to be blown away by your favorite celebrity doing something you didn't realize they could do. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, George Takei is my favorite actor. And he can sing? Oh my God. Or you want to see a celebrity fall on their face. Oh yeah. And just eat it. And And no one really... And no one does either of those things, really. Like, Maya's a really good tap dancer, but Maya was already... A singer-dancer, so I'm not surprised by it. I mean, tap is such a different skill set. I know, but, like, I'm not blown away that this dancer also knows another dance. That she was trained in a different... I'm not blown away that the ice skater is flexible. Fair. So, like, and no one, like, really eats it. Like, George Takei doesn't do great, but it's not, like, embarrassing. Yeah, this like he doesn't give a uh, he doesn't give a superstar USA performance. Yes, yeah. by by doing it this way, where it's like every week, it's like okay, now you're doing trapeze, have fun. Like you're guaranteeing that someone's gonna fail, someone's gonna surprise you because they're all being thrown into it suddenly. Yeah, and then you kind of have this fun game of like, well, George Takei is not a really good ballerina. <laughs> but next week is sword fighting, and I kind of want to see George Takei's sword fight, so I'm going to vote for him. Yeah. Over Danny Bonaducci. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think it would have been a more interesting show. The other thing that clicked in my mind is Clint Black is a country music artist who performs after George Takei, Takei, uh, performs a country music song. Yeah. Why not do a show... Let's call it anything you can do, I can do better. Where you pair two celebrities together and they kind yeah, of just and then to... they switch. Like if you replace George Takei with Gary Shandling and they both came out di- and did the thing they were good at. You saw Gary do some stand up and you saw uh, 
uh, what's his name? Clint Black do a song, and then they switched. Yeah. Oh, that. And be- then you vote it like who's the double threat? Sidebar networks. If you're listening, give us our money. Yeah. Damn it. We're just ugh. Oh, do you? I also want to say that... No, like, that sounds like a great show. Give us money. Yeah. Give it to us. Give it to us. Sponsor me. Uh, I also want to say that this show kind of reminded me of another show I really enjoyed that I'd love to do on the show at some point called The Big Moment. Okay. This was a reality show where they would give uh, average people a week to prepare. Okay. And then in a week they had to perform something on a stage. And it was things like a unicycle obstacle course. Uh, there was one where he had to recite pi up to a thousand digits. Oh, wow. Uh, and in my absolute favorite one, they had to train a dog to do five tricks in a week. Yay. So the episode started with, hey, by the way, you get a free dog. I would have just quit. And they're like, this is your dog from now on. They're like, yay, dog. I mean, I would just have quit the show right after that and never come back. You, I mean, why would you do that when you could also, they don't take the dog away ever. Oh, no. Okay. I get to keep the dog forever. Regardless. Maybe also you want to win the money then. Yeah. Mostly concerned about getting to keep the dog. Yeah. That's the first thing they establish. Good. I want the dog. Okay. So that's. Can I have a dog? Not right now. Because I'm afraid you'll quit the show. Because it seems to me you don't understand what getting a dog means. <laughs> but I want the dog. I get that. <laughs> but I'm afraid you'll quit the show. Uh, so, unless you have any more fun research. No, I don't. And I don't have three alternate shows to pitch like you did. Uh, let's give it a verdict then. I think this is a stay tuned. Or stay doomed, rather. I was going to be stunned. Because it's just, it feels like it's that very cheaply made reality yeah. shows. This was going to fill up 10 hours of TV mm-hmm. for less than an episode of Friends. Yeah. Like, it's just that, it's everything celebrity reality is badly made out to be. Yeah. It just, it's... It's not fun. I will say that watching this, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed critiquing it, making fun of it, and watching it. I did. But the moment it ended, I turned to you and said, if I had to watch six more episodes of this for the podcast, I would lose my mind. It's very repetitive. Yeah. Because you get the... It's video package, performance, judging. Video package, performance, And the video judging. packages are so bad. They're very, uh, they lack substance. Yeah, it's just like, ooh, they might be bad at it. Uh, they're fine. <laughs> yeah, like, everything, it felt very rushed. Yeah. Like, we watched a 50-minute episode, and I felt like very little happened. Mm-hmm. So, for me, it is also a stay doomed. Doomy doom doomed. So, there's this other elephant in the room that we have to address that I haven't brought up yet. Okay. Uh, we owe our wonderful patrons the September bonus episode, which was going to be us covering uh, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Yeah. We will get to it. Yes. <laughs> we are sorry. But you also get an October bonus episode, and we haven't decided what that's going to be. So let's go through our choices for the October episode. So the 
second, the runner up from September was Laura and Noah go to a Goodwill, buy a VHS. A random VHS tape. And watch it. And watch it and see what's on it. Could We could get cursed. Okay, I don't want to do that one now. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, so that's one idea. Uh, the other idea that I wanted to bring up was the idea of doing a bit of a watch-along with our patrons as we try to work as a team to escape The Undertaker on Netflix. Yeah, I believe we have a uh, net. There's like Netflix watch party. Yeah, if not, we'll do it over our our Discord. And we were gonna do Escape the Undertaker, mm-hmm. which is a uh, a kind of a choose your own adventure joint. Yes. Uh, I love doing top five lists. Yes. For these, so I wanted to do our top five Halloween episodes. Yes, it's October, and it would also be a reason to get it out faster. Yes. So it would be each of our top five Halloween episodes. Also, longtime fans of the show know, like, I love a holiday special. This is very true. So this is me trying to get the Stay Doomed Halloween special in there. And finally, since we did so well with our tier list of hosts, which I guess we should add this guy to our our tier list here. Oh, yeah. But as as we pull up the tier list, uh, let's... (laughs) Let's go to explain that uh, we want to do a tier list of every Muppets project. Yeah, now we're going to... I'm going to say every Muppets project at first. We're going to make a list and see if we mean every Jim Henson project. Yes. Because we might end up with too many to reasonably do. Yes. So a tier list of our favorite and least favorite Muppet projects. We, we, we've been on a bit of a Muppet kick after watching Muppets Now, and we watched Muppets Haunted Mansion, and we, it was really... You'll have to vote for that one to find out. It was really good. We really liked it. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, so let's throw, let's throw this guy, uh, Mr... What's his name? O'Hare? Uh, I think we're going to put John O'Hurley in the who? John O'Hurley in the who category. Because he's... Because uh, you can't remember who he is. Yeah, that makes sense. He's Jay Peterman from Seinfeld. And I think he is probably... Is he better or worse than Dennis Leary? Ooh. I would say he's worse than Dennis Leary. Okay, is he better or worse than Joey Graceffa? I would say he's worse than Joey Graceffa. Okay, is he better or worse than the butler from I Wanna Marry Harry? He's better than that. He's okay, so than he's going to fall between Joey Graceffa and the butler from I Want to Marry Harry. Perfect. If you want the full tier list, join our Patreon, which you can do right now at patreon.com slash plus two comedy. What are we watching next week? Okay. I almost forgot to ask you. So next week, we're doing a uh, Lost Media about Lost Media. Oh, Inception! We are doing... The pilot episode of Cartoon Lost and Found, which aired 32 years ago, this very night. You mean tonight, not the night that this goes up? Yeah, I mean the night we're recording it. Okay. Uh, It's hosted by Adam West and it aired on Nick at Night. Cool. So this is going to be a uh, a quick pilot. We we wanted to get this out for you guys. And uh, this should be dropping right in the middle of the run of Smut If. Yes! Be sure to come see us online 
of Smut If. Smut If is a adult fan fiction world championship. If you're listening to this the moment it dropped, it might actually be happening right now over on Plus Two Comedy on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash plus the number two comedy at 8 p.m. Monday, which if you're hearing this, you've already missed, Tuesday and Wednesday. And uh, come see comedians uh, writing dirty, dirty fan fiction about your favorite fandoms. Yeah, and then what's on... Oh, so there's Tuesday and Wednesday, and yeah, you missed I, the Monday. Yes, you missed the Monday. I hope you you, you were there, though. We missed you. Uh, and also, we have another big show coming up. Yes, we have one on October 29th in Great Barrington, Massachusetts. Still don't know the title. Still don't know the title of still, it. You still never sent me the poster. But it's going to be funny. So come see us at Miller's Pub in Massachusetts. In Great Barrington, Massachusetts. Where can people find us? You can email us at thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com or on Facebook and Twitter at staydoomed. And if you are desperate to see Danny Bonaducci on a unicycle, I'm at plus two comedy. If you understand why it's terrifying to tap dance in front of Debbie freaking Reynolds, I am... At Bean Bunny Lives. Yes, new handle, new handle. Yeah, Kirk Thatcher, you know what you did. Until next time, stay doomed. Unless you're Bean Bunny. No, please, Bean Bunny, come back. We love you.